Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That's me. Drinks at Work is a podcast about building creative and rewarding careers in and around the world of drinks. One such person to do just that is Kayla Reed. She's recently taken on a new role created specifically for her at the Speakeasy Group. It's a group whose venues include Ode V Melbourne, Boilermaker House, Milner, Sydney and Melbourne, Nick and Nora's in Parramatta and Melbourne, and Pearl Diver Cocktails and Oysters. She's their new beverage creative and mentor, and in this chat, we talk about how she came to get this role, her advice for bartenders wanting to craft an interesting role for themselves in the creative side of the bar business, and we also get some insight into what's coming for new speakeasy group venues, the Sanderson and Oda V Sydney. Kayla cut her teeth in the bars of Brisbane, notably running the bar at Savile Row before moving to Melbourne to open Nick and Nora's in 2020. I've interviewed her a few times in the past, and she's always thoughtful, energetic, and passionate when it comes to the bar world and her part in it. I really enjoyed this talk too. So, my chat with Kayla Reed in a minute, but first, I want to take a minute to tell you about the Boothby Drink of the Year Award. Entries are open now, and they close on October 31st, and we're looking for the best drinks of the last 12 months and the bartenders behind them. We'll be counting down the top 50 drinks of 2022 and handing out three awards in the process. The People's Drink of the Year, presented by Orlando, the Drinks List of the Year, presented by the London Essence Co., and of course, the Drink of the Year, presented by Patron Tequila. It's simple to enter. Visit boothby.com.au slash drink of the year to learn more. Okay, now my conversation with Kayla Reed. Kayla Reed, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work for Boothby. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's great to be here. It is good to talk to you as always. Uh, you've got a new job, which is... I do? Yeah, which is good to see. Your career's been going strength to strength. You're originally from Brisbane. You moved out of Melbourne around the time of uh, COVID. Mm. Um, you're running the bar at Nick and Nora's down there and getting that off the ground during kind of unprecedented times. Yes. But now you've got a new role with the Speakeasy Group, which is the beverage, you know, you've been promoted to, for across the group, beverage creative and mentor. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. So I guess very briefly, can we sort of describe what, what does that title mean? What What is the job that you're going to be doing? Yeah. I mean, obviously it is, a, it's a little bit of a mouthful. So <laughs> in, in essence, I uh, make tasty liquids and I put them into cups. Uh, so that's kind of my main focus will be menu development, cocktail construction, um, making sure that all the venues are up to scratch and where they need to be, uh, but also working as closely with the staff as I can. I think as the group kind of expands, we really need someone in this role mm. to make sure that not only the venues feel like they have someone that they can go to, that's a sounding board who understands menu development, drink construction, all those sort of things, but also that the staff feel like they are getting the training that is required to be working in the venues and uphold the standard that we want to be, I guess, pushing in the Speakeasy group. Mm. Um, Greg and I really work together on this role as well to, to really tailor it to me. Like this role has been made for me. Um, yeah. it's, it's the things that I love doing, but it's also the things that I'm really good at. Um, and Greg, Greg and I have been working together for almost three years now. And mm. I think we really do see eye to eye and we agree on a lot of things, but we don't agree on a lot of things as well. And I think that's kind of why I've been put into this role because he knows, if I don't really agree with something, I'm not just going to say, yeah, that's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've you know? got, you got some creative disagreement going on. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. I think that's why I love working for Greg because he's not only my, my boss, he's my friend and he's someone that I can have these like constructive conversations with as well. Yeah. Uh, so the Speakeasy Group, just for people, in case they, they're not aware, uh, can you tell us briefly about the Speakeasy Group? We started with Oda V in Sydney 
back, I think, 2010 or something, yeah, or 2009 yeah. even? Yeah, perhaps? so Odeve, Odeve's been 10 years now. Uh, oh, the Sydney one. The Sydney yeah, one, so yeah. Sydney one is was much older than that. So yeah. obviously we did close the Sydney one uh, during the pandemic, um, but essentially Speakeasy Group is a boutique uh, hospitality group. We specialize in cocktails, high-end service, and theater is also a massive part of what we do as well within the group. But overall, we just want to make experiences for people. You know, mm. we want people to come to our venues to celebrate those big occasions, you know? Like, we want to make a mark. We want to make memories. We want people to come here because we can provide and we can make your night exceptional. And you're going to come back and you're going to come back for every anniversary. You're going to come back. You're going to want to have your bloody wedding here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Oda V in Melbourne, that just celebrated 10 years, was it? Yeah, we did. We just celebrated Jeez. 10 years in Melbourne. And I think it's pretty apt that obviously we're going to be opening the new one in early next year. Yeah, so the new uh, old one, Oda V Sydney's yeah. uh, coming back to life in a, in new a new location. What can, you, what yeah. can you tell us about that? We are trying to sign off the menu down here in the Melbourne O to V because we will take that one up to the Sydney one. Right. Uh, so that is mainly in the hands of the guys down at O to V at the moment. So Tom, the venue manager, and Aiden, the bar manager. Yeah. I've been helping them with their menu tastings and all that sort of stuff and just ticking the boxes and making sure we're hitting the points that we want to be hitting for the Speakeasy group. Yeah. Um, but obviously, new location. Greg and Sven have kind of been seeking out a new location for the O2V Sydney for a little while now. Mm, and I think Greg yeah. said he looked at about 18 different spots and was just <laughs> like, no, 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 this isn't right. Um, we eventually found the location on George Street, which is actually two locations for us. So yeah. we will be having Sydney O2V uh, relaunch there, but we also will be opening the Sanderson there as well. So in true speakeasy this- form, we're opening two venues at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they've got to give you this new uh, beverage creative and mental role a bit of work to do, right? Yeah, I need to bloody have a job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you need things to do. Can you exactly. tell us what's happening at the, at the Sanderson? Yeah, cool. So uh, the Sanderson, completely new thing for us. Um, steakhouse. So that's what we kind of want to do with the Sanderson. So high-end steakhouse. um, And Greg has said that he wants that menu to be full theatrics, which would be quite different for a restaurant as well. And especially with like the food offering. So I've started like, I'm kind of starting from the serves and working back with the writing of that menu. Cause that's kind of the biggest thing that I'll be working on as I, as I am transitioning out of Nick Mm. and Nora's. When when he says full creative, uh, sorry, full theatrics, yeah. what what does that mean for people who might not know the speakeasy style? Yeah, okay, cool. So one of the biggest things that Greg and Sven are really into is theatre when it comes to drinks. People want to have a show. They want their dinner and a show, essentially. So yeah. for anyone that's coming <laughs> to any of our venues, they'll know that we use liquid nitrogen in most of our venues. You know, we have the Cafe Noir on our menu at Nicanor's and the Espresso Zab at uh, Eau de Vie, which is like our espresso martini roof, which comes with like a nitro frozen cap on top. Mm. We nitro freeze all of our martini glasses, um, fire, you know, we've got blazers on all of our menus. Yeah, these, are, wanna, these are Instagram drinks before Instagram, you know? Everything, <laughs> you want to be Instagrammable. Yeah, but before that was a big thing, right? 
Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Mm. So, I mean, people obviously know on Instagram we're drinkers these days, but we were kind of doing that <laughs> from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, so you're working on that now. What's the, what's the process for this kind of thing like? Because, I mean, I mean, we're talking, what, you're three, four weeks into the role or so? I am... Um, no, I've barely even started the role yet. <laughs> Great. I've barely even started. Like, <laughs> this the, is the thing is, like, we've been, this role's been, like, we've been conceptualizing it for months. Sure. Like, Greg kind of, essentially, I kind of went to Greg, and he was kind of, he's always touching base with all, with all the managers specifically. Mm. Um, and I kind of said, look, you know, I feel like I'm kind of reaching my end at Nick and Nora's. I don't feel like I, and I, I can't stand not moving forward. You know, yeah. I can't stand being stagnant. I always want to be learning more. I always want to be challenged. And like yeah. Nick and Nora's has been a fucking hell of a challenge. Um, <laughs> but I still do feel like I have capped out at Nick and Nora's and I feel like I can be moving further, I can be doing more for the company and I can be training someone to do the role at Nick and Norris that I've been doing whilst mm. moving into a bigger role. Uh, might be helpful now just to, to talk quickly about Nick and Norris. It's a high volume cocktail bar. Uh, how else would you describe it? Yeah, yeah. So honestly, I, I really do think it's probably one of the highest volume cocktail bars in Australia. Yeah. It is a 240 packs seated champagne and cocktail bar. Yeah. We are Art Deco style, um, based off Nick and Nora Charles, who were like a crime fighting duo that loved having a few martinis and sipping on champagne. Uh, so our ethos is all kind of based around Nick and Nora Charles. Our menu is based around the movie as well yeah. and the books. Uh, but essentially what we do here is oysters, champagne, delicious cocktails. Uh, we have a cold kitchen as well. So we do canapes, mm. cheese, charcuterie, all that sort of style of food. And just, we are packed pretty much every single night. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the busiest venues. I know you've been here before Sam, um, but we normally have lines out the door on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. Big team, yeah. big venue. My advice is I, I tend to try and go early in the afternoon. And even then it's like, uh, you, you're, you've only got time for sort of a wave. Yeah. <laughs> No definitely, real spare time in that venue. No, there's really not. There's not much downtime. It's definitely go, 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 go all the time. Mm. So, so did that much. sort of play into your, your sort of your feeling that you were ready to for the next step? Yes. Yes. I feel like, well, the thing is, it's funny that you say that because when I was up in Sydney, uh, everyone was kind of like, you know, congratulations on the new job. Amazing. And then they were kind of like, you know, you're finally getting out of service. Like it was like this testament of the progression of my career that I was getting out of service, you know what yeah. I mean? And I kind of was like, well, actually, like <laughs> part of my job and part of the requirement of me taking this job is I wanted to still be in service. Yeah, correct. Like I don't want to step out of service. Like it's something that I love. It's something that I'm good at. Like yeah. I really like thrive off adrenaline. Like I'm quite a, a busy body kind of person. You know, I need that kick and I, I can't see myself just sitting behind a laptop five days a week typing out trainings which i do love doing that stuff but yeah. i think in order to do my job to the fullest i need to be in service i need yeah. to be in the venues you know i need to be in the trenches with the teams and i want to see where the staff are at i want to see the level of service that they are providing in every venue and i don't think i can do that unless i'm working service <laughs> you know so i'll be doing three days uh like admin computer style stuff and then two days of service as well Right, and will you, you 
switch around different venues? Is that how it Yeah, works? yeah. So essentially what will happen is I'm, I'm kind of trying to work out a 12-month planner at the moment of how I'm going to structure right. this whole role because Greg and I are kind of like, how are we going to do it? You know, like what's the best approach? Because with me still doing service, I need to have boundaries and not have every venue messaging me every week saying, hey, Kayla, can you come work? You sure. know, because yeah, 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 that's well, not realistic. Because it's so I, easy I to find staff at the moment, you know? Oh, yeah. It's so <laughs> easy to find staff, Sam. <laughs> Funny yeah. how triggered. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I essentially I, I want to do blocks at each venue. So I'll maybe do four to six to eight weeks in each venue, just depending on right. what they need to be done. Uh, go in, look at their menus, look at what we're providing there um, and get a full understanding and then decide, hey, this menu needs to be updated. Um, I've noticed some lacking with the staff in this area. And sure. I'm just going to really try and hone in on every venue and work out where everyone's at. And I think for the first year, I will be really just assessing all yeah. of the venues. But even outside of that, I want to be doing more like staff focused incentive fun sort of stuff too. Like I want us to be a company where people, the staff not only get training and development, but also there's a lot of perks, you know, like I want to put on like mm. a big easy cup or like a really big over both of the States, like cocktail competition, which the guys are really yeah. starting to get back into because obviously the pandemic is finishing now while they're saying that it's over um, yeah but as comps come comps come back in you know there are a lot of younger bartenders who haven't really been exposed to competitions because yeah. over the past couple of years you know we've been in the pandemic yeah so as patron perfectionist is a good example you know when that came out a lot of my guys came to me and they kind of said kayla like where do we start how mm. do i build a drink how do i enter a competition like, right. what do I do? So I literally just wrote up a training the other day and just put it on for the group. And I said, hey, guys, look, this is kind yeah. of a casual cocktail competing 101 class if you want to come down and I can talk about yeah. how to build a cocktail, you know, what to do when you want to start entering competitions. And they were really thankful, you know, because you yeah. just sometimes don't even think about the fact that these kids have not even been exposed to a lot of this stuff because of the pandemic. And I guess this is part of the, the mentor side. Uh, the mentorship kind of thing to your new role, right? Yeah. We're in a really interesting position where there's a whole, like there's a, a couple of years there of guys who are guys and girls who just haven't had. There's a gap. Yeah. Haven't had experience yeah. with the, the whole bar world in terms of not just service and hospitality, but like, but everything goes with it. The trainings, the, the comps yeah. and everything. Um, a lot has fallen by the wayside. And I think people, we've kind of forgotten about that because we've been so consumed by everything that's happening in the pandemic. And yeah. now we're coming out. I just, I want to be there yeah. to pass as much knowledge on that I have as I can. Right. How, how are you going to go about that? What's the, cause I mean, you know, mentors, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty big title, pretty it is. big, big it loaded is. word. How, how are you going to go about it? Um, this is another one where I'm like, how am I going to go about it? Like yeah. it, it's, I feel like I'm so excited about this role because it, it's so open-ended. Like I can make this role what I want. And the fact that Greg mm. really trusts me to really sculpt this role into what I want is mm. Amazingly rewarding, you know, obviously I've worked really hard over the past few years for Greg and he, he knows me and he knows my work ethic. Um, but the first thing I kind of want to do, as I said, is go around to every single venue, work and service, see where all the staff are. Yeah. And then I already have a few trainings in the back of my mind that I do want to write anyway for the group. But I think once I know where all the staff are at, I actually go into the venues and talk to them, see yeah. what they want to be learning about, see where the knowledge is lacking. Yeah. And then really like hone in on 
what the staff are wanting to learn. Yeah, we do trainings all the time anyway, but I think there is a gap for someone who is going to be specifically writing trainings tailored to to the staff in Speakeasy. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the that you're saying that you would want to spend sort of four to six weeks in each venue and rotate around that way because a lot of these kind of roles that I've seen from other groups, they tend to be like, all right, one night I'm in this place and one night in that place. Some of them are like over the course of the night, they'll, they'll pop in a different yeah. venues, like three venues in a night. So it's interesting that you want to spend that much time in one place. I think like, especially when I'm only doing two services a week and even if I'm doing a month or six weeks at the venue, I just, I don't think that you can really understand the full extent of how a venue runs just in a few hours in service. Nah. Like, I want to be doing, you know, I want to be in there. I want to see everything. Like, I don't really think that I would have the full scope if I was not doing those services over X amount of time. I don't think you can achieve it in one one service. Yeah. Well, that's always the knock on anyone from a a head office coming into a venue, right? It's like, well, you don't understand us because you're in your ivory tower up there, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I I don't want that divide to happen with me and the staff either. You know, Mm. I don't want them to feel like, oh, Kayla's coming in here. She doesn't understand bars anymore. She works in the office now, you know, and I don't want that divide. I want to come in and be like, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. Like, you know, don't forget that I've been doing this for a long time and I've been in the trenches with, Mm. with my team for ages and, I've been in service for a really long time now and yeah. I still love it and you're I still not, want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, you're not going in there as like the angel of death going to fire it. No, <laughs> I'm going to go on and be like, that drink looks like shit, tip it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> just joking, me. just joking. <laughs> yeah, sure, I, I don't buy that for such a um, what is it so far that you've done in your career that you think set you up for this kind of a role? Like why, why this role? Why, why now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a great question because like, funnily enough, I was actually talking to Millie, uh, Millie, you know, Millie Tang, but, uh, I was talking to Millie when I was up in Sydney, uh, for bar week and we were kind of talking about where we were in our careers now and how it's funny going from the grasshopper side of it to then moving to the mentor side. And you kind of don't see that it's happening until you're on the other side and people are coming to you and you're just like, Oh shit. Now I'm the mentor. Like I need to pass my knowledge on. I'm not like the one that's going and seeking help anymore. And I think some of the things that led me to where I am now, I think you don't even realize that it's happening, you know, like, you compete yeah. in cocktail competitions, you make connections with people, you network. Like, I think I've been building my brand for years and Millie and I spoke about how we've been building our brands for years, but didn't even realize we were building our brands until mm. you kind of get to this other side and, you know, a lot of people know who you are and yeah. you've made a name for yourself in the industry and, you know, you've got all these young greenies coming to you for support and for help. And I think it, I have always been an incredibly hard worker. I've Mm. always been very driven. And I think, as I said earlier, I can't stand not learning or not moving forward. So I'm always like, what else can I do now? What's the next challenge? And even outside of that, like I love cooking, like cooking is something that I just absolutely love. Like I love working with flavors. Um, I love pairing things. I just love that creative side and that, leans into drinks you know like working with flavors and spices and herbs and all these other things like it's not just cooking i think because i do love cooking and i've been doing it for so long once i started bartending i really connected with it because 
it was similar to cooking. You know, you're working with yeah. flavors, you're balancing things, you're making a delicious end product. Yeah. So over the years, the competing obviously helped push me into the position that I'm in now. But outside of that, obviously, when I was running Savile, I was doing menu development there as well. I yeah. was doing cocktail construction. Like I've always been on that side of things. And I've worked with whiskey and I've worked in a lot of different styles of venues, but I've always loved like the cocktail construction side of it. Mm. So just years of doing that. And then obviously moving into Nicanora's writing the menu here as well. And then I've also took on a big consultancy gig last year with Greg um, through Speakeasy where I wrote all the menus for that as well. And I think just over time, I've really tailored my craft a lot to be focused on drink construction. Right. Is that, and that's just a series of you putting your hand up again and again to do this sort of thing, is it? I think yes and no. I think sometimes I've taken on a role and then that's just the path that it's led down. Right. You know, I started in beer boutiques. I then was working at Bloody Lychee Lounge with Pez and Cam and Tom, you know, when I first started learning cocktails way, yeah. way back when. And then, the Mighty Lychee Lounge in Brisbane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I eventually went to Lefties and then I found my way to Cobbler somehow. And then from there, I've always been working with cocktails and obviously working with Marty for a couple of years. Um, I learned a lot from him as well. Mm. And so I think I've just always kind of leaned in that direction and that's how I've kind of ended up in this path. But you, you didn't, you didn't start out, you know, when you're at Lychee Lounge going, you know, one day I want to be making cocktails for a very creative boutique bar group, right? No way. No (laughs) way. And like, I think my career or the trajectory of my career has been so crazy because I've never, I've never had a proper plan. You know, I've just worked really hard and tried to always better myself and always continuously tried to be learning within the industry because it's ever changing. Like it's, it's adapt or die in hospitality. You know what I mean? And you really have Mm. to stay on top of trends and understand consumers and all the X, Y, and Z that comes along with, with running a venue. Sounds exhausting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is, Sam. It is. That's why, that's why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> the, the thing that I hear about you from uh, anyone else I talk to is that you always, you work your ass off and you work very hard. And it sounds like from what you're saying, the reason that you're in this role now is because whatever opportunity you've been given, you just, you know, bust a gut to, uh, to get it done. Absolutely. Yeah, I did want to talk to you about Nick and Nora's, okay? So, yeah, okay. And talking about this, uh, the creative and mentorship thing, Mm-hmm. How much of the upside have you been involved with in the past? Because you have been bar manager, you ran Savile Row, which you know, yep. late night bar in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. You've done the creative thing, but you've also had to do the ops thing. Obviously, you yeah. lean towards enjoying the creative a bit more, but how do you find the operation side? I well, like I was a venue manager at Savile, so I was doing kind of everything when I was there. Um, yeah. In terms of Nick and Nora's, to be honest, like the operation side of it is just as big in my role as the creative side of it is. It is such a beast of a venue. And that's honestly probably one of the biggest learning curves that I've tackled here is running such a gigantic venue with so many moving parts, you know, like Nick and Norris isn't just about the service. It's like 
we've also doing heaps of functions continuously. We do a lot of, we're taking on more and more uh, venue exclusive events as well. We're doing like more uh, brand focused activations. It's, there's just so many moving parts and I've learned loads about operations working with Nick and Norris because you're also dealing with a head office as well, which we didn't really deal with the head office in Savile because it it wasn't really necessary. You know, we didn't really need it. But when you're working with a group of this, this magnitude, there's so many other people that come into play. Um, So operations I've learned heaps about, and I actually really do enjoy it. Like I don't mind the day to day and that organization and understanding and Honestly, one of the reasons why I left Savile was because I did want to learn that side a little bit more and I did want to be more involved in the business side of things and the operations and mm. the ins and outs. And Greg is amazing at that sort of stuff. He's like such a wizard and he's so organized and I've learned so much from him and the time yeah. that I've worked with him just on how he runs his businesses. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been a huge learning curve for me yeah. and I've, I've loved it though. It's been awesome. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the scale of Nick and Norris is just, like, Savile Row is a busy bar, right? But the scale yeah. of Nick and Norris just means it's that busy, but it's, like, five of them. Plus, yeah, <laughs> plus a million. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very uh, demanding venue. <laughs> so if someone was, a, if a younger bartender is listening to this uh, and was interested more in that creative side of the industry, what, what advice would you give to them to try to, to get a role that's creative and rewarding like yours? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't want to harp on about Aside podcast. from working your ass off, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously, you get back what you put in at the end of the day. Right. Like, if you're not going to work for it, you're probably not going to get very far. It is hospitality, so it is a demanding industry to, to work in. Uh, yeah. So put the work in, and that is probably the biggest tip. The second one would be enter as many cocktail competitions as you can. I don't want to harp mm. on about cocktail competitions too much. I know that the industry is very just divided uh, when it comes to cocktail <laughs> comps. And some people yeah. say, no, thank you. It's too wanky. It's biased, blah, 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 blah. But at the end yeah. of the day, I don't really see any downfall in entering comps. You know, I competed heavily for two to three years and it bolstered my career. I generally do think that. Like, I met yeah. some of the best hospitality aficionados over those couple of years simply because Mm. I was competing, you know, like you don't really get the same level of networking and recognition within your own venue and you can, but I think it's a lot harder to get if you're putting yourself out there and you're taking yourself outside of your comfort zone you really do grow exponentially as a person as well. I think Um, that's the big thing, right? It's like it pushes you to sort of, encounter new things and yeah 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 and like i think like you really you need to be uncomfortable to grow you need to be you know in a situation where you are not in your element and i think those those situations like really gave me much more confidence in myself as well to like do well in this industry and like really push myself and like most of the time you're not going to win you're not going to win, yeah. you know, like, and that's not why you enter. Yeah, you it's enter. totally okay not to win, right? And, and that's what I said to the guys the other day when I was doing this class. I was like, look, guys, like, most of the time, you're probably not going to win. Like, yeah. I've, won, I've won a few comps. I've lost a lot. So, like, <laughs> don't let it dishearten you because, like, the knowledge that you gain from entering competitions is priceless. And yeah. the people that you meet is you're exposed to so many people outside of your state and outside of your venue. Yeah. If nothing else, it's uh, usually a free trip and, uh, you know, exactly. go see somewhere and else. Exactly. And you get free shit. <laughs> Everyone loves free shit. Come on. Um, <laughs> free shit. 
I know. But also, you know, just I think experiment at home as well. Like I love just like experimenting with my home bar and tinkering with random ferments and tinctures and all this sort of stuff. Like you have to love it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you have to live and breathe it. And I think if you don't really love it and it's not – you know, something that exp- inspires you or drives you, then you need to find something that does. Mm, I think that's very good advice. Very, it's very, it's a difficult job to do if you're not fully 100% keen on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. But it's very rewarding at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, just last question for you. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the drinks that you want to do at the Sanderson? Or are we not there yet? Can we, we, can we break some news I, yet? I'm in the very early stages of uh, cocktail construction at the moment. I'm spending a lot of time on Etsy. Um, yeah, on yeah. Etsy. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what weird random looking serves can I find? <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, what's in this weird little antique op shop down the road right. here? Um, cool. So, yeah, I, I think the most exciting thing about the Sanderson for me versus doing the menu for Nick and Nora's is that I'm going to be working with like – maybe 14 drinks max, yeah. whereas Nick and Nora's I had to write 37. Yeah, so, right. yeah, it's – it's. I feel like I have a lot more freedom because when it came to Nick and Nora's, like, if I wanted to buy, like, some really beautiful pieces, it's not possible because the venue's too big and there's too mm. many menus uh, – sorry, there's mm. too many cocktails on the menu. Yeah. Whereas at the Sanderson, it's not a cocktail bar. It's a restaurant. So yeah. I'm not going to have to be – ordering 100 of this very specific style glass i can maybe get 20 you know what i mean so like i've got more freedom to get like more niche kind of pieces um do things that are a little bit more over the top because it's on a smaller scale whereas at nick and nora's because we're pumping out like thousands and thousands of cocktails it's a lot harder to i guess maintain having these beautiful limited niche pieces. Like I haven't been able to get the coops that I put my goddamn number one selling drink on the menu in for like three <laughs> months now. Now I'm trying to get like three different styles of coops. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like it's not a good the, time when you're trying to get glassware, is it? The woes of being a bar manager of a 240 packs venue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough gig, and I'm glad you're doing it. Well, I'm glad you were doing it, Kayla. I'm glad you got this new role. I can't wait to see what you come up with for Oda V and the Sanderson in Sydney. I'm pumped. I'm going to be up in Sydney a lot more as well. So happy days. Visit, yeah. Get some daiquiris into us. Oh, Thank you yeah. very much for talking to me today, Kayla. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's been awesome. Thanks to Kayla again for the chat and thank you to you for listening. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please share them with a friend and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get yours. I really do appreciate your support. And also a reminder that the Boothby Drink of the Year Awards are open for entries right now. You can visit boothby.com.au slash drink of the year to learn more, or just hit the Boothby website and follow the links from there. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work from Boothby.